Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. Well, you made it Friday. Welcome, everybody. It's Wisconsin's Midday News. Greg and Jessica with you until 1 o'clock, an action-packed show as well, uh, including an update on, on a very interesting situation uh, developing, really, it's nationwide health care facilities closing in rural areas. Could it affect us here in the state of Wisconsin? We're going to go to Chippewa Falls coming up at 1116. The mayor, Greg Hoffman, is going to join us. Some new information today that could help save a hospital up in that area. One of many things we are covering today. And now it's time for Three Big Things on Wisconsin's Midday News. It's also a big weekend in South Carolina, Jessica, where voters will head to the polls on Saturday for the state's Republican primary election. That's right. Trump holds a wide lead among likely GOP voters. It really hasn't changed. As of now, Trump has 63 delegates. That's to Haley's 17, with 50 at stake in South Carolina this weekend. Of course, South Carolina is Nikki Haley's home state. The goal here is to earn 1,215 delegates to win the party's nomination. South Carolina already delivered President Joe Biden his first official primary victory of the 2024 campaign. That was back on February 3rd. More on this with M. Wynn of ABC coming up at about 11.23. Number two, AT&T resolving yesterday's massive service, service outage that left tens of thousands of people across the U.S. unable to place calls or texts. We told you it was about noon, right, at this time yesterday that service was finally back up because Greg got his. But now we know, this is the new part of it, the outage was not caused by a cyber attack. Of course, these days, a lot of people think that could be it. No, it was caused by, quote, the application and execution of an incorrect process used as they were expanding their network. So it sounds like, almost sounds like somebody just pressed the wrong button. I'm sure it was more entailed than that, but somebody did something wrong. Yeah, interns, you know what I mean? Like, what what are you going to do? But not a cyber attack affecting the 70,000-plus customers who are without service. Uh, There was a police department that was getting all sorts of 911 calls. I know, because people people were worried. Yeah, and they're like, let me try. I wouldn't think to do (laughs) that, but I do do see some people doing that. Yeah, don't do that. Please don't do that. And a sure sign of spring and summer to come hits the airwaves tomorrow. That's right. Brewers baseball is back. Cactus League opener tomorrow afternoon. Brewers taking on the Padres. But I want to win until they tap us on the shoulder and say, it's over, bro. There's no more games. That's it. That's my expectation. I didn't come in here to participate to say, oh, the old man got a chance to, to manage. Okay? Let's have a great day, fellas. There you go. There's the fire you up speech from new Brewers manager Pat Murphy. Got to have 14 spring training games here on WTMJ. We have another four exclusively on 94.5 ESPN. And the regular season begins in just over a month, if you can believe that. March 28th in New York against the Mets. That will kick it all off here for the crew. And two teams play even earlier than that, don't they? Have opening day on like the 20th? Yeah, I, they always kind of do that. They isolate a couple of games. They put them into prominence. Spring training has already started for some teams. The Brewers are going to start tomorrow. But hey, that's okay. We get baseball back on the air tomorrow. Very excited about that. Coming up next, Mayor Greg Hoffman. He's the mayor of Chippewa Falls on a potential effort that could save hospitals and clinics in that part of the state. If it doesn't happen, what happens to those who rely on the clinics and hospital in that area? It's 11-11 on WTMJ. So 
So there's a developing story here, and it's kind of a disturbing trend across the nation where hospitals and clinics in rural parts of a given state are shutting down. And this, of course, includes the state of Wisconsin. So there was a story that came out toward the end of January, just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, indicating two hospitals and nearly 20 uh, clinics would close within months in western Wisconsin. We're talking about Chippewa Falls area, uh, up in the Eau Claire area. And this is certainly something that kind of grabs your attention. If you live in that area and you have a medical issue, where then do you go? And the ones in Wisconsin are connected to Prevea Health. So this goes into uh, into the Green Bay area as well. But there's some new information today, and I'm wondering what sort of positive spin this could put on clinics and hospitals that might be on the verge of shutting down in Chippewa Falls. We welcome in the mayor of Chippewa Falls. It's Greg Hoffman joining us here on WTMJ. Hi, Greg. Good morning. So first of all, take me back through the last, I don't know, three, four months. We'll get to the new news we learned of today coming up in a minute. But what, over the last several months, when it looked like a hospital and clinics would be closing in, in your area, what sort of impact did that have on the community? We, we've been made aware of, we have St. Joseph's Hospital in Chippewa Falls, Sacred Heart in Eau Claire, and then there's a number of Prevea clinics in both Chippewa Falls and Eau Claire. And we were aware that they were having issues with St. Joseph. Nothing new. They've been trying to market it. So when the announcement came out that they were looking to close St. Joseph's, none of us were overly surprised. We were concerned. But then when they announced that Sacred Heart was closing and the Pervega clinics, now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, what is going on here? Because that is, that is a at least a third of our total medical facilities in the Triple Valley. So that has caused a lot of consternation, uh, sleepless nights, trying to see what we can do. Uh, you have you have a combination of how do you treat the how do you treat the citizens, you know, the patients, how do you take care of all the team, all the members that have worked there. There's a lot of people at St. Joseph's Hospital, they've been there thirty five, forty years, very loyal employees. And then just the overall impact on our, we have a lot of manufacturing that's relatively close to the hospital, and they like it because of the ER. So it's been a, it's just been a, a, a rush coming right at you like, okay, what are we going to do? So that's kind of where we are now. We're, we're getting to the next stage where there's, uh, you want to say acceptance, but more or less. So now how do we, what steps can we take as a community and Chippewa County to address the get us down? So the situation as much as possible. So frustrated first, kind of inching closer towards acceptance at this point. But the big question is why? Why are the hospitals and clinics closing in the area? And then also, how close is the next one? Because we all know when it comes to an emergency, time is of the essence. We have we have a couple of things uh, unbeknown to us. Uh, they, yeah, you know, it's sad to say, but unless you're in the medical field and involved in the hospitals, you are somewhat blissfully ignorant. And when the numbers started coming out, it's very obvious that HSHS, Sacred Heart, and St. Joseph's had lost a considerable amount of money. So they, they lost a lot of money. 
they lost a lot of the money because during the pandemic, they had a considerable amount of staff that left. They retired. We have a lot of veteran staff. They all retired to backfill those positions. They were utilizing a lot of traveling nurses and hiring people at a much higher rate than what they've been paying for. So then that, that continued to drive them further. The other two issues that you have with, with the two hospitals that are going out is they've been the main providers for Medicare, Medicaid, and for people who cannot pay. So as, as part of the sisters system, their, their motto was we take care of everybody here regardless of income. Mayor Greg Hoppe joining us here on WTMJ. He's the mayor of Chippewa Falls. Greg, let me ask you this in closing. New legislation, this is brand new. It's titled SB-1014, authorizes the legislature's Joint Finance Committee to spend up to $15 million on grants for health care providers in Eau Claire and Chippewa counties to expand their emergency departments. Will this help save the hospital in any way? Uh, it will potentially help save the emergency room. Uh, right now, St. Joe's, the MRI, the CAT scan, all the imaging is gone, and to replace all that is 75 to $100 million. $15 million is a start, but if you need, you need those things for the ER. So we had this meeting this morning, and we spent a lot of time talking about this. Money is very appreciative. It can really be used to help prop this up and to get some things accomplished. Is it going to be the end all? No. We're going to have to be very creative to how we put this together. It's a national story with impact here in the state of Wisconsin. Hospitals and clinics in rural parts and different communities are closing down for a variety of reasons, including here in the state of Wisconsin. Greg Hoppin is the mayor of Chippewa Falls. Greg, we appreciate your time and uh, shedding some light here on the story. Very good. Thank you. You take care. Greg Hoffman here joining us on WTMJ. Coming up next, South Carolina primaries this weekend. Would Nikki Haley still be in it if the primary were a month ago instead of in her home state this weekend? We'll check in with them. Win of ABC coming up right after this. South Carolina primaries this weekend. Saturday is when they'll head to the polls in Nikki Haley's home state. Em Wynn covering the story for ABC News. Hello, Em. Hello, good to be here. So primary question for me, if the South Carolina primary were when the Iowa caucuses and primary, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, would Nikki Haley still be in it, or is she only in it this long because South Carolina is her home state? <laughs> That's a really good question. Of course, Iowa, there's a lot banking on Iowa, right? Of course, South Carolina is really crucial for the former governor there. Of course, that is Nikki Haley. So what happens here in the home state and what happens tomorrow may make or break her campaign. If she stays competitive, it could help propel her to March 5th to per Tuesday. So there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not Nikki Haley is going to be dropping out after South Carolina. But she has made it clear it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. She's going to stick around until at least Super Tuesday. So, you know, uh, potentially, if this actually happened a few weeks ago when it was the Iowa caucus, she would still have stuck around until Super Tuesday. Yeah, that's really now, been looking her forward that until tomorrow, in. right? I know. And here's the thing, though: if you if you look at other candidates just from this year or the years prior, they usually actually drop out when they run out of money. But in reality, 
for Nikki Haley, she's got a lot of money and she's not running out anytime soon. She actually outraised Trump by 2.7 million in January. So it's clear there's intense support for her. She has a lot of big donors. And it appears also that they know this is the last push before South Carolina, before Michigan, and of course, Super Tuesday. What are the state's demographics? Who, who do we expect to get out and actually vote in South Carolina? So for South Carolina, we understand there are a lot of people who do like Nikki Haley. Of course, she has won twice in the state as governor. We understand a lot of them have spoken up in the past few days and weeks to say that she should keep trying because they don't believe that the prospect of Trump or Biden in the White House is something they want. They say it's, quote, really scary. So voters find that Trump or Biden, that they are at this point too old or too incompetent to be in the White House. But then again, there's the other side of Republican voters in South Carolina who feel as if Haley had abandoned them for national politics just a few years ago. And there was some thought that Nikki Haley would stay in it and ultimately become Donald Trump's running mate. Do you think it's heading that direction? It doesn't appear that that's the direction in which this is headed. It's very clear that Haley is ramping up attacks against Trump. And in hearing all of the attacks that she has said against him, she has called him unhinged. She has blasted him for his comments mocking her relationship with her military husband. She says that Trump cannot win the general election, that she's the only one who could actually win against Biden. And knowing Trump, he's not going to be picking someone like Haley, who has been on the attack against him for weeks and really more now uh, than before. Uh, But certainly we're going to be watching closely for tomorrow. What's happening here near Washington, D.C. is the CPAC conference. So essentially we're going to hear from Donald Trump around the time, maybe a few hours before results will be coming out. And we're also going to be hearing from a number of his uh, most uh, obvious allies here on Capitol Hill and around the nation. Um, And those are the people who are really going to be vying for that. Uh, name on the ticket in November. We'll be watching this weekend and win ABC. We'll check it again soon. And thank you. Thanks so much. You bet. Eleven twenty-eight on WTMJ headlines after this. Craig Matzik, Jessica, time with you Friday after. Afternoon edition, about to be an afternoon edition. Yeah, it's really close. Of Wisconsin's midday news. So baseball is like up and running now, right? So Brewers kick off tomorrow with their spring training. Uh, you pay close attention to their pants. You might be able to see through and see some skin. <laughs> it sounds strange, right? But this whole thing is bizarre. Uniforms have been the discussion of camp all across the nation here, right? From Arizona to Florida. The players just simply don't like the new uniforms. They're Nike uniforms contracted through Fanatics for stitching and all that kind of stuff and the numbers and the name. But the players don't like the jerseys and pants that they're being asked to wear thanks to a new partnership. The funny thing is I have a couple Fanatics, like Buck shirts, actually just a couple of shirts, sports shirts from Fanatics. And I do always find that they're a little bit thinner than some of the other ones. Okay. And but they're not see-through, which is the problem here, according to a lot of the players. See-through pants. You never <laughs> not want that. No, I mean, add, add see-through pants to the potential list and growing list of complaints regarding new MLB uniforms for this season. So here's Rob Manfred defending the move. These are different. They're designed to be performance wear as opposed to what has traditionally been worn. So they are going to be different, but they have been tested more extensively than any jersey in any sport. Okay, but there's a there's a law of unintended consequence here because the fabric is lighter. The players are saying 
the numbers and letters on the back of the jersey, they're Don't not holding good. up. They're dragging the fabric. So it, it feels like the, the jersey's being pulled off of them. They said it's kind of like amateur hour. It doesn't feel like it's the pros there. <laughs> uh, one player equated it to a knockoff TJ Maxx brand, which is not good. And now you throw into the equation the idea of see-through pants. So apparently the fabric is not thick enough. Oh, by the way, not even all the players are able to form an opinion because of supply chain issues. Not every team has their pants. I know, so they're like, hey, you might have to go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah. Imagine telling Christian Yelich, hey, man, you might not get your pants. We're going to have to have you go down to Dick's over at uh, Bayshore and get your pants. Yeah, usually rookies have to get coffee or something like that for the clubhouse. <laughs> you might have to go find pants for okay. your team. I love this, though, because it's not just the players chiming in. I, w- I was looking at a couple of just, you know, out in the social media world, what fans are saying, too. Here's one of them. A surefire way to get everyone sharing photos from MLB Picture Day. Pants you can see through. There you go. Here's another one. One billion dollar contracts, three dollar jerseys. I see London, I see France. I can see right through your MLB pants. It's everywhere. <laughs> like it, it is a thing trending all over social media. I mean it's it's a scene right out of Seinfeld. I think it's very hot in the polyester. You know, it's not a natural fire. <laughs> they, they would prefer cotton. I mean, imagine playing games and your team is five degrees cooler than the other team. Don't you think that would be an advantage? <laughs> they're cooler, they're more comfortable, they're happier. They're going to play better. Well, I, the new uniform idea did not work out for the Yankees in Seinfeld, very clearly. Hey, what is with the Yankees? They look like they're having trouble running. They can't move. It's their uniforms. They're too tight. They've shrunk. They're running like penguins. Forget this game. Oh, my God. Mattingly just split his pants. <laughs> Right, as if the players' union and the league needed something additional to bicker about. They don't get along as it is, and now you got the uniform gate thing spreading its way through camps left and right. The thing that's so strange to me is, okay, now we're talking about Major League Baseball with a problem with the uniforms. Remember Lululemon had, like, kind of the see-through pants at one point? Oh, sure. I know my husband, he works for one of the major airlines. They just changed their uniforms. They went to a big brand. It's like Gap that's involved in it. Everybody's complaining about the uniforms. They put a halt to it. I'm just wondering why can't these big companies work with another big company to get the uniforms right. It seems to be such a simple thing. Now, typically, the uniforms worn during spring training are a little thinner because you're talking about very warm days in Arizona and Florida. It's more like a a batting practice kind of uniform sometimes that they wear. they got a bunch of different stuff. But I think the concern is this will not hold up throughout the entire season, that the the thicker jersey, the more durable jersey for sliding, for holding up the, the stitching of a name or number on the back, but I guarantee Major League Baseball, they're not going to end their partnership with Nike and Fanatics over this. They may have to change some things, but they're not ending a partnership. No way. Well, and that's the thing. And now they're having meetings. They're having feedback sessions with the players about the uniform. So the fact that everybody's talking about this instead of really the start is one problem. And then you got to take away time from the players to meet with them about the uniforms and have feedback sessions. That's a miss. With nasty uniforms and see-through pants, the Brewers will take the field tomorrow against the Padres. By the way, the Padres are one of those teams. They don't have the new pants yet. They're still wearing the old stuff. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll end up grandfathered in for this season. Coming up next, another celebrity with an unusual disease. We'll talk about it after this. It's 1142 on WTMJ. For joining us, everyone, on this Friday morning for Wisconsin's Midday News. Former talk show host Wendy Williams 
has FTD. It's one of the big headlines from the last 24 hours. So what is FTD? Most people are not familiar with it. Unfortunately, my family is. My stepdad has FTD. It's frontotemporal dementia. It's also sometimes called Pick's disease. When you hear dementia, I know a lot of people, I know I did too before all of this, think of Alzheimer's. FTD is very different. So if you take away four things from this segment, please know this. FTD typically strikes younger. It is the most common form of dementia for people younger than 60. Most cases occur between 45 years old and 64. Think of that, 45 years old. Unlike Alzheimer's disease, FTD primarily impacts behavior, your loved one's personality, language, and movement. Many medical professionals are not familiar with FTD, so it often gets misdiagnosed. And there is no cure for FTD, and there is no treatment to slow the progression of the disease. My stepdad quickly went from owning his own business to not being able to speak or communicate with us. He is a shell of his former amazing self. It is very hard. This is an incredibly cruel disease. And in order to end FTD, we need more people to know about it. We need to raise awareness. I'll tell you what, my nearly two decades in broadcasting, I had never heard of FTD until my stepdad got this diagnosis, and then I started doing my research. In the last year, though, Bruce Willis has been diagnosed, and now we have Wendy Williams. So I I wish this disease on no family. But, Greg, in a way, I I am grateful for the awareness that these two celebrities will bring to the disease because most people have not heard of this. So Bruce Willis is 68 years old. Wendy Williams is 59 years old. So right in there to your point about it strikes younger. My grandma dies of Alzheimer's. And I believe she died at the age of 77. So it came on a little bit later in her life, to your point. And, and this is not to be confused with Alzheimer's. It sort of fits into the, the category where there's not a lot of information. You become a shell of your former self. There really is no cure. So it, it, it kind of fits into that world. But it is definitely a separate sort of issue. I mean, there are so many forms of dementia. And I think most people are familiar with Alzheimer's. And the one thing a lot of people I know ask me is, does he remember you guys? And, and that's how it's different. Um, it doesn't necessarily impact memory. In fact, in most cases, it, it doesn't seem to. So for a long time, he and we still believe that he does remember who we are. Um, in fact, sometimes I go to visit and my mom will, will say, did he remember who you are? And I'm like, Mom, of course, of course. But there is that fear that maybe one day he won't. But he would... Up until maybe seven months ago, he, he would say your name. Now he can't even do that. Um, but memory, it seems to stay intact, but he can't communicate. He can't say anything to you. He can't get the words out. So as a friend or a family member, it's natural to think that maybe they don't remember you. But it, there are memories up there. It's just it impacts. And, and there are other forms of it as well. So it's not just FTD one person is exactly like all of the others. It, it impacts in different ways. Uh, but it's it's incredibly hard. And um, I know Wendy Williams has a, a documentary coming out tomorrow. It actually premieres. And so I think that's part of why this came out. I think the family was saying, okay, some of the things you'll see in here, here's a reason why. Because there was a lot of um, criticism towards Wendy Williams as well, kind of in the last few years, like, what what's going on? And she couldn't seem to find her words. And um, behavior was a little bit strange, and, and that's all part of it. So I guess the other thing for anybody listening out there, too, is if you do have a family member and you're not sure what's going on and there's just something that seems strange and people can't pinpoint it, 
Maybe you just say, hey, I heard about FTD. Ask the doctors about it. Could it be this if you think maybe it is? Because sometimes just starting that conversation can make a world of difference because a lot of times it takes five to seven years to get a diagnosis. You know something's wrong, but because the medical community, of course, they'll get more familiar now uh, that this is in the news, but a lot of medical professionals, as I mentioned before, just don't know what this is. And if you don't know what it is, of course, you're not bringing it up to your patients as a possibility. No, that's, it's a heartbreaking story. And I, and I certainly feel for you and empathize with you. I remember being a kid and watching my grandma wondering the same things. Like, does she know who I am? Can she communicate in any way? Can she write? She couldn't do any of those things. So your view is that they're just in this sort of vegetative state and, and just, do you, are you recognizing anything, color, light, motion, sound? And the doctors kept saying, yes, like the more you come, the better this will be for her. It's okay. Um, but just our, some of those challenges I remember in asking my parents a lot of questions as a kid. Uh, Wendy Williams, 59 years old, as you mentioned, and has not been on TV anytime recently that I can remember. But perhaps there were some warning signs, as you mentioned. So, you know, trying to do more information, gather more research. Hopefully someday there's a cure for all of this, but it's another heartbreaking story. Without a doubt. So thank you for letting me tell you a little bit more about it as well, because it's something that I knew I would bring up at some point, too. Um, but this just happened to be that it, it was in the news again. And I, I, in a way, I'm glad it is. Yeah, a continued conversation, no doubt. 1152 on WTMJ. The Week in Review is next. Before we get to the Week in Review, a reminder that the Wisconsin... And Milwaukee RV Show is coming up here, February 29th to March 3rd at State Fair, the Expo Center. We've got a four-pack of tickets to give away for the Milwaukee RV Show. Caller number four at 855-616-1620. we got a four-pack of tickets for you, 855-616-1620. Well, some new faces around the office here at WTMJ. Clarity on maps, sort of anyways, and a lunar landing. All that and more in the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. The University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, has canceled classes for Monday for a day of healing after two people were shot fatally on campus. The suspect and the victims all somehow appearing to have known each other. New NBA rules put Milwaukee and its bid for the All-Star game in jeopardy. Visit Milwaukee President and CEO Peggy Williams-Smith is skeptical these new rules will last. Five-star and five-diamond hotels are incredibly hard to find. It is an incredibly hard list to make. Make? Do you think we're ever going to get an all-star basketball game back here in Milwaukee? This one is interesting because when the Fiserv opened in 2018, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, was here. And he said, we will host an NBA all-star game in Milwaukee. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. It's a new day! Yes, it is! The lineup, as we've told folks about for quite some time here, is changing on WTMJ. We're very excited about the opportunity to not only be you know, a news source, but also a news creation service and be able to do that throughout. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Yes, I used to do this on Fridays. Now I do it every day of the week. It's time for the Upswing on WTMJ. Hello and welcome to the Upswing. It's new. It's exciting. And yes... It's here. It's Wisconsin's Midday News. Well, here we go. Now we get to officially launch Wisconsin's Midday News. Very excited to be alongside Jessica Ty. Here we go, middle of the work week, and uh, we're, we're off and running. Happy to have you here, Greg. This is Spanning the State. I am indeed your host, Kristen Bry, and I am so happy to be back on the air at WTMJ. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. 
Breaking news this, this hour. This is an important day and historic day for our state and for every person who calls Wisconsin home. Governor Tony Evers has signed a redistricting proposal. The proposal passed through the Assembly and Senate earlier this month. These maps will take effect immediately after publication. On the line, the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is the governor of the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers. Good morning, Governor. Republicans have said they won't challenge these maps. Do you believe them? <laughs> well, I... It, yeah, I guess I will. Sure, Jan. Democrats love them and vote for this. However, you would know that by the celebration yesterday. I'm enacting fair maps for the great state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Do you feel like America is slipping away? I guess. I'm Eric Covdy. I'm running for the U.S. Senate. An Amber Alert issued this afternoon in Two Rivers for three-year-old Elijah Vu. Investigators are using a helicopter as well as canine and drone units in their search. Our search and rescue teams have been combing through our neighborhoods, parks, wooded areas, and they've been following up on all leads and tips from the public. Two people being held in the Manitowoc County Jail, Katrina Bauer and Jesse Vang. Calumet County Court records confirm Bauer is Elijah's mother. We have breaking news on Wisconsin's Midday News. The executive director of the Milwaukee Public Market, Paul Schwartz, is here. We're breaking in here first. Freezy's candy shop out of West Allis is taking over for Cures Candy at the Public Market. So congratulations, 620. You, you just got the news. And scoop. Results in after the spring primaries Tuesday. City of Kenosha, two candidates advancing. They are trying to succeed the outgoing mayor, John Antaramian. I'm proud of Kenosha. They're ready. And they're ready for somebody that's going to lead on day one. We've made history tonight. I don't think there's ever been a woman in a final for a mayoral campaign in Kenosha. Here, Milwaukee incumbent Mayor Campbell Johnson and Pastor David King will be advancing to the spring election. Voters in the Waterford Union School District have once again rejected a school funding referendum. We are joined by the superintendent, Lucas Francois. Part of that education of your constituents, what more could be done to improve that? Oftentimes we're met with resistance because they don't understand this is truly the only real mechanism we have to keep our schools maintained, updated, and modernized for today's learners. We now know the security footprint, the broad area that will be impacted by the Republican National Convention in Milwaukee. I want there to be a safe convention. At the same time, downtown Milwaukee will be open for business. You can confirm our equipment is on the surface of the moon and we are transmitting. A week. Go Paco. I listen to the voices in my head. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Rapina's Fine Foods introduces a new coffee bar and cafe called Mitchell's Corner. The store's newest concept at 7641 Belight Road in West Dallas offers customers Stone Creek coffee products as well as build-your-own sandwiches and grilled items. The family-owned store will be 100 years old in 2025. Frederick Menominee Falls Hospital discontinues baby delivery plans to close its birth center on July 1st. Staff and services at the hospital will shift to Frederick Hospital in Wauwatosa and Frederick West Bend Hospital. Both locations will work to expand services. Midwest Products Incorporated aims for a March construction start of a new facility at a cost in between $5 and $6 million. The Germantown-based firm manufactures embroidery products and has maxed out its existing 17,000-square-foot facility in the Germantown Industrial Park. I'm Linda Spice with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. 
Welcome in. New hour on a Friday. Weekend is right around the corner. Greg Madsen and Jessica Ty with you. Lots coming up in this hour, including a conversation with Joel Brennan, president of the Greater Milwaukee Committee. But a few stories that we're following for you here this afternoon. It's now at noon on Wisconsin's Midday News. A kind of a disturbing story here, Jessica, out of Racine, where the Wisconsin DNR is investigating two dog deaths. The dog owners say they died from ingesting poison found in tainted meat in a local park. Yeah, this is this is so sad. I mean, here their dogs go missing, and then Animal Control finds the dogs. There's another group that was looking for the dogs, but actually Animal Control who found the dogs. And one was carried away in a stretcher. The other definitely showing signs of illness, but both died that same day. And so the owners are going, okay, what the heck happened? The vet says it looks like the dogs were poisoned. And then that group that was looking for the dogs, they found grocery store bags filled with poisoned meat. I don't know how this happens, but 20 grocery store bags filled with poisoned meat were found in the park. And that meat's being tested today, by the way. So we'll have a follow-up to the story uh, later today, perhaps, or early next week. Yeah, it's just a lot of people were saying it's. Uh, it looked like a substance that could be used to bait coyotes. So maybe that would be okay. That makes a little bit more sense uh, if, if that's indeed the case. But we don't know yet. DNR will be going and getting that today, and then collecting it and then testing it. So we'll keep you posted on that. But I mean, you got to feel for, for for that family. Oh, and I mean, so many of us are dog owners, so can't imagine that. Number two, for the first time in 50 years, a U.S.-made spacecraft touches down on the moon. We landed on the moon! Yeah, we've been following this one pretty closely. Uh, After landing at about 5.23 a.m. Thursday, the 620,000-mile journey was complete. So the Odysseus Lunar Lander, nicknamed Odie, is confirmed to be upright. They are sending data back. This is very exciting. Today is a day that shows the power and promise of NASA's commercial partnerships. Congratulations to everyone involved in this great and daring quest at Intuitive Machines, SpaceX, and right here at NASA. That's Senator Bill Nelson. He's a NASA ambassador. The thing is about the size of a phone booth, but it wasn't just built by NASA, right? He mentions all these other companies that had a hand in getting this thing put together and launched. Yeah, I, uh, Odie. When I think of Odie, isn't that Garfield? Yeah, the isn't dog that Garfield's from Garfield's bud? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is a big deal. This is the moon mission. First time this has happened in more than 50 years. Number uh, three. Yes, wealth in Wisconsin. Two Wisconsin families landing on the latest Forbes report, naming the richest families in the country. Coming in at number seven, the S.C. Johnson family. Probably no surprise. They are based in Racine. $38.5 billion is the family's net worth for this year. Company founded back in 1886. Company founder S.C. Johnson started that flooring company, developed wax floor for his customers, and then we've got all of the products since then. And the Kohler family, also on the list. Not a surprise. Again, uh, Herb Kohler looks like he belongs on money. He's got a whole city named after (laughs) himself. $16.2 billion family net worth. Of course, Kohler, the company, the maker of fine bathroom fixtures, furniture, tiles, Engines, generators, golf courses, you name it. They seem to have their... All kinds of stuff. I know my sinks say Kohler on the back. I think my shower heads do, too. Okay. Pretty sure about that. Okay, maybe you're wondering, too, those are the Wisconsin families. Top 10 richest families in the U.S. Coming in at number one is the Walton family with $267 billion. That's the family in charge of Walmart. You've also got a candy company here, Mars family, coming in at number two. The Coke family at three. Cargill family at number four. Uh, let's see what else do people like. Maybe number eight. 
Chick-fil-A, the Kathy family. That one surprised me a little bit. I know it's a it's a it's a monster. Well, they're closed Chick-fil-A. on Sundays too. They so are. you think are they gonna <laughs> are they gonna be in the top Sundays. ten when you say you can't come on one day? But they are. There we go. Some of the wealthiest in the world, including a couple of families here in Wisconsin. Where does Joel Brennan fit on that list? I don't know. We'll ask him. The Greater Milwaukee Committee president joins us after this on WTMJ. Well, if it's happening in the city of Milwaukee, he is likely all over it. Joel Brennan, the Greater Milwaukee Committee president, joining us in studio. Where, where do you rank on uh, on your list here, Joel? We went through the uh, the wealthiest families uh, in Wisconsin. We thought we were looking for you there. That's a personal question, Greg. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm the only person who's not on, on that list who you could get to come in this afternoon. I <laughs> yeah, there you go. I said earlier, maybe if you did it by height, maybe I'd be up there alphabetical, something like that. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm not anywhere on that list. Fair enough. So now people are wondering, how tall are you? <laughs> well, uh, it's about 6'2", but um, I also have a 16-year-old son who doesn't like it when he doesn't get mentioned. He's six foot five, so there's, there's some height going in the family. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, a lot of big stuff to talk about today. Northwestern Mutual posting third consecutive record-setting year with $36 billion in revenue. Number one, when you hear $36 billion, that's one thing. But I was really taking note of the fact that this is the third consecutive year. What is that a reflection of? Because... That timeline is critical the last three years. Well, yeah, and I think it's coming out of the pandemic and coming out of um, some changes. I I read a little bit about what they've been doing and how they've managed this. I mean, I think they've done well in in high interest rate times. They've done well in low interest rates. And it, it just is an example of... Uh, of I think how we in the community community benefit by uh, the planning and the way that they do things at Northwestern Mutual. We all know about what happens in the community and and what they are and the five hundred million dollar building that they're now creating and just after they did another one ten years ago. So we all know that. But but this is the business side. I happen to you know we're shareholders. My wife actually works at Northwestern Mutual, so we benefit personally from all this. But but so do thousands of others right. in the community. Joel, you're the president of the Greater Milwaukee Committee, so you have the the eyes and ears of many business leaders from nonprofit to education to Fortune 100 here in Wisconsin. How many marvel at what Northwestern Mutual is able to do? How many try and emulate not exactly their product and services, but the way they go about their business? Well, I, I think lots of people try to emulate them, but they're almost incomparable in this community. You know, you think about the Greater Milwaukee Committee has been around for about 75 years, and the founding organizations that were there, many of them have changed. The Milwaukee Journal was one of the founding companies. That has changed, and your business has changed so much. But over the course of time, M&I was probably on that list. Over the course of time, lots has changed in the community, but for 160 years, they've been a pillar here and something that we can count on. There are so few hometown companies now like you know you talked about walmart and the waltons like you know there's places in arkansas that that are you know you know that that's where the the waltons are but um for milwaukee and northwest mutual they are just they are like the the hallmark they are in some ways so intricately connected and i think i've seen something where john schliske has been saying that this is like the golden age of northwestern mutual and there's about to be a transition from john to tim garen yes. um which will happen at year end this year but but we are all, we all ought to embrace that as well because you know we we're the beneficiaries of that in this community and there are so few communities where that happens now 
I was just thinking when you mentioned John, that's exactly what I was thinking of, the fact that they, the CEO is retiring at the end of the year. That's a massive change, but a big company like this, they've also had a, a plan in place for quite a while to make sure everything is seamless. And they, they went through a, a process with that, and they, they made the announcement, uh, I think, at the end of January, the beginning of February. You know, right, so they yeah. have a, a whole year of that transition. And, uh, you know, again, we all see... The, the benefits and, and the skyline is changing as a result of Northwestern Mutual. But there's also the work that they do that, that many people downtown don't see in like, in neighborhoods like Amani and Metcalf Park. And they are so much part of the fabric of this community that, you know, I, I don't know that there are many other communities in the country that could say that they have a 160 year old company that, you know, has been paying dividends out since 1872. And many of us are, are benefiting from that, but they're also truly putting their money where their mouth is in the community. It's really neat to go inside downstairs. If I remember correctly, it's in the first level. You can go in and, and kind of read and watch about the history of Northwestern Mutual. Mm. It's a really neat thing to do if you get a chance. So we have another company that is moving its headquarters to downtown Milwaukee. So Enterpack is moving from Monopoly Falls to downtown, about 130 employees. They're going to take over the old ASQ building, right, and rename it. So what is the lure? Why are companies doing this? Enterpac's not the only one, but they are the latest. No, Enterpac, and they're joining Veolia, who also uh, announced that they were moving into that same building. And, you know, just a, a little bit of family history, and I think it's going to answer in some ways your question. So I, I was part of Visit Milwaukee when we moved into the ASQ Center uh, back in 2001. That was after it had been gimbals for many, many years. And I remember telling my mom that we were moving there, and she said, oh, well, I used to work at gimbals in the women's department when I was in college in the 1950s. I mean, that's kind of, that's about the evolution of a community. It was a retail center for, uh, you know, for many years. It now had one life and, and ASQ has been one of the hallmarks there. It has other tenants in there. And now Interpac is moving. And uh, part of the, why are they moving here? It's the same reason why Fiserv and, and Milwaukee Tool and others are here to attract talent, to be where the action is. You guys are right in the middle. You're now bookended by Fiserv to the, the west of you here, uh, where they're moving in, in the next few weeks, and Enter, the Enterpac Center, uh, which is going to be to the eastern. And it's just, it's about kind of the, the reimagination and the, the new lives that places like the former Grand Avenue have. You know, I used to work a stone's throw from here at Merle Harmon's Fanfare, the sports nice. fans gift shop, just across from where we are now. But And that was a point at which, you know, we could have downtown retail. That doesn't exist in the same way anymore. And so uh, I, I think it's really exciting as we reimagine and recreate these spaces. If you have a, a city that's going to be vibrant for 150 or 200 years, you're going to have to have different lives. And this is part of that. This is, you know, companies that have d- decided for a while that the suburbs was a good place to go. If they want to have good young talent, they're going to want to be where the action is. And this whole place here where you guys are surrounded by the MMAC and Herzing and Grafe and everybody here, that's a reflection of that for this community. Well, and isn't one of the developers on this new project, wasn't that developer part of this project here at the Avenue the, to redevelop and, the former Grand Avenue? And the other thing that I that about this that I, I read about uh, this week is that 
um, Paul Sternlieb, who's the CEO of Enterpack, like this was one of the most complicated deals that the developer and the development project had been in. There were six or seven different parties that had to sign off on leases to do all of these things. And, and I think that's also, you know, you need people who are committed to the downtown and committed to this community, but you also <clears throat> can't take no for the first answer. You've got to sure. continually be at it and, and be creative and innovative about these things. And what you're living in now, the space that you have been part of recreating here, and, and what the former Grand Avenue has become in the Third Street Market. It, it's the right mix of businesses and the, the retail um, and the, the nightlife, the, the kind of 24-hour vitality that you need in a downtown space. Yeah, all part of moving at Milwaukee forward, something you do every day with your role try, with the Greater try. Milwaukee Committee. Joel Brennan joining us today. Joel, thanks for your time. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being you back. 1224 on WTMJ. A reminder, you can stream the program online at WTMJ.com or through the WTMJ mobile app. You can also watch the program, which I think is fascinating. So we are live and on YouTube. they got cameras all through the studio. I need to do a better job telling our guests that. When you're on the show, you're on the show. You are on you- the show. Yeah, and I'm like in the zone since this is my first week. I'm like, mm, you know, usually I feel like I'm pretty bubbly and smiley, and I'm just like in the zone, but there's cameras. Hey, everywhere. So check us out on YouTube. Download the podcast. Subscribe to the Wisconsin Midday Dupes podcast. We also have a page up and running at WTMJ.com, all of our best stories of the day. So make it your one-stop shop. Take us with you wherever you go. Watch, download, wherever you get your podcast, you will find Wisconsin's Midday News. A four-pack of tickets to the Milwaukee RV Show is available to you at 855-616-1620. Caller number 4, 855-616-1620. We'll send you to the Milwaukee RV Show February 29th through March 3rd at the State Fair Expo Center. So more Wisconsin connections here with regard to reality TV. The Amazing Race returns in spring of 2024, season 36 of The Amazing Race. Ooh. You into the show? No, you know, I don't really watch it. But that it blows my mind, like Survivor, too. I can't believe Survivor's still long. Well, we'll and, just love it. Well, and now they do multiple seasons in a year, right? It probably got a little bit off-kilter with uh, the pandemic and whatnot. But there are a couple of Wisconsin connections to the next season of the amazing race where they race around the world there's a bunch of clues there's a bunch of tasks there's a bunch of challenges it's always setbacks they, I, I mean right i mean it's an issue i think i watched season one okay like, <laughs> like I, it wasn't I, 36 years ago i but. once asked my wife i'm like do you, do you think we should sign up to do this and she's like do you want to get divorced on national tv oh! no she didn't say that but that's a common thought process it's like sometimes it's hard enough just to get to the store or the mall Right? Now imagine doing this, right? Where you are literally worldwide, all over the place. Well, I like the first group. They're best friends. Sonny Pulver and Busy Smith. They're ready for the ultimate test here. Pulver, 41 of Edgerton. Smith, 37 of New Berlin. They are both firefighters and both moms. So I think that is a winning combination. Not only do you have kids and you have to deal with all of that, right? All of the challenges of being a mom and then being a firefighter, too. I feel like... They're going to be up there for winning. I, I, it's a great duo. Sometimes I feel like, you know, the casting agents have a box to check. And it's like, well, we need to get this couple and we need to get that. We need to have a little white. We need to have a little black. We need to have a mix. And, and I get it. I understand why they do it. That's just part of casting. They fit into the category of 
Tough Moms from Wisconsin. Heck yes. Right? I love it. And last year, maybe some of you saw a little video of this. Um, they competed in the fight for air climb at American Family Field. Not only did they compete in that, which is tough enough for some people, but they were wearing their firefighting gear. All to raise money for the American Lung Association. And I'll tell you what, I did one of those Citizen Fire Academies probably like 12 years ago or so and put on all of that gear it is so heavy it is a lot and it is hard to move so imagine these ladies of course they're firefighters but so they're used to it but putting all that gear on and then climbing 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 those stairs so that was one thing that they did uh, last year so the other duo here with the wisconsin connection is really only one so rod and leticia gardner their husband and wife couple they are incredibly fit they own a supplement company in georgia uh, Leticia is a fitness business owner, and Rod played six seasons in the NFL. So Rod Gardner, think about that name. I remember him. I absolutely remember you him. You do? Okay. I do, because he played for the Packers. I remember him more for things he did with other teams than what he did in Green Bay, but once I heard the name, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's okay, that right. Sounds he did. He had a cup of coffee with the Packers. I, quite literally, in his six seasons Did you just say he NFL, had a cup of coffee with the Packers? Yeah, that's about it. That's about <laughs> how long he was yeah, there. Yeah, He joined late in the 2005 season. He caught four passes. I mean, that was it. That was uh, it. Just, yeah. just a little bit of a hiccup with the Packers in 2005. And then they re-signed him, right, in 2006, but then they cut him before the start of the season? So yeah. You, so you don't even count that. Yeah, so it's a cup of coffee, maybe a lunch. I mean, he counts that. His family counts that. That's big, but, I mean, as a Definitely. fan, I guess not. So. Well, he had six seasons in the NFL, and that's not a joke. So they are making up another one of the duos here on the Amazing Race Season 36. And they've, uh, Wisconsin teams have fared pretty well on the Amazing Race over the years, so we'll keep our fingers crossed for, for these guys. Um, but I love this, too. Greg, you have a, a good perspective, and I wish you were here on Monday because we talked to the Muskego guy who's going to be on Deal or No Deal Island, sure. the new version of that. And I, I was hoping that you would have been here because it was a fantastic conversation, but... You also have an interesting perspective because you were on a reality show a while ago. So I was on ESPN's version of The Amazing Race, and it was called Beg, Borrow, and Deal 2. Right, There were two seasons of it. Summer Sanders, the Olympic swimmer, was the host of our show. Nice. And we were tasked uh, with getting from South Beach, Miami to Mount Rushmore with no money, no phone, no food, just no to close on our back and our ID. So you'd, you'd rely on people for favors, and you could get one favor per person. A favor might be a pen. It might be a ride. It could be a stick of gum. A dollar? <laughs> we could never hold money. That was the other part of it. We could never hold money. So if people bought us something... Oh, you could never. Oh, you could never. So never. I thought maybe if you asked for a dollar, no. five dollars, they could... Okay, that couldn't even be one people of People could buy you stuff. So if you had somebody driving you from Orlando to Atlanta just to rattle off two cities, we did have that ride, we could have a driver. But if we had to stop for gas, somebody else had to pay for gas. The ride was a favor. But you won. It was another favor. You won. Our team did win, and along the way, we had to do a variety of tasks, and they were all very difficult. There were 50 on the list. We had to do 10 and get to Mount Rushmore. And they were like, play a set of tennis against a Williams sister, get a body piercing or hair dye with Dennis Rodman. That was on the list. What what do you have to tell us that we don't know about that? Uh, We we didn't do either of those. The best task we had, uh, we met a Heisman Trophy winner and held the trophy. It was Eddie That's George. Cool. That was in Nashville. We were at his house. We kind of staked his house out. And another one was have dinner or have a meal on a plane or in a hotel room with Mark Cuban, Daniel <laughs> Snyder, who owned the Washington Redskins at the time, or one of the Maloof brothers. They owned the Sacramento Kings, and they also owned the Palms Hotel in Vegas. 
So a girl on our team knew the Maloof brothers, so they oh. chartered us a private jet from Atlanta. We flew to Sacramento. We had dinner with them on the private jet. Oh we went to a gosh. Kings game, a playoff wow. game. How fun is that? And then flew back in the private jet the next morning to Atlanta. I guess I would have been trying to go for my Indiana University connections with Mark Cuban and then adding that I also love Shark Tank. That's where I would have gone with that. There you go. There <laughs> I don't you know go. if it would have yes. worked, but I would have tried. Uh, you beg, borrow, and deal, too. You can't find it anywhere because it was not shot in HD. Right? But I thought you were sending us a link. Was, because well, I can send I got it on I YouTube. I really want to see it. Producer can, Eric and Aaron Pelican really wants to see it. I've shared it with our old producer, Sam. She she really dug it. She liked watching it. So, yes, I'll, I will share that with you. That was 2003, I think I did that. Wow. Long, long time ago. 1243 on WTMJ, a new feature coming up after this. Hang out for Stories of the Strange. 1247-ish on a Friday. Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. The weekend is inching closer, inching closer. So we're going to bring this to you every Friday. We get kind of toward the end of the show, Jessica. We cover a lot of stories, serious, heavy, some uplifting, some a little lighter. But we really have no outlet for the news of the weird. So here we go. It's Friday, which means it's time for Stories of the Strange on Wisconsin's Midday News. So when you commit a robbery, the idea is to actually leave with more money and not less. Akron, Ohio. Hello. A robber was so fast to flee the scene at a grocery store after an alarm was raised, he actually forgot his change from his original purchase. Oh. This happened on Wednesday at the Save-A-Lot grocery store in Akron, Ohio. I've never been, but I'm sure it's a fine place. (laughs) What Save-A-Lot isn't? The robber told the clerk he had a gun. He threatened to shoot the clerk while demanding money from the register. No one actually saw a gun, but it's what he said. One clerk then sounded an alarm, causing the suspect to run out of the store without any money from the till and without collecting the change from his purchase. So the robbery attempt not only went south and was thwarted by an alarm, but the robber actually left with less money than he came to get. It kind of fell flat. That's not the goal or the mission of the robbery. It's not the goal, but you know what? Dumb criminals. I always say you can't get into their heads. You try to, you can't. It's just a dumb criminal. Okay. This one, this one's totally different. This is what I I got. By the way, you guys, we are not telling each other what stories we have. So I, I don't know what Greg's picking. He doesn't know what I'm picking. But have you seen this? It's Charlotte, the stingray who's pregnant... But there are no male stingrays around. Hmm. Nobody to be found. So, the question is, there's a lot of buzz around, did a shark have a little fun with a stingray? And there were some bites on the stingray. So they're thinking that it might be a shark ray that ends up coming out. There are actually four pups. <laughs> shark ray? I just made that up. <laughs> shark ray. I mean, it's a shark and a stingray, right? Shark ray. It actually kind of sounds kind of nice. But expecting four pups... So the thing is, that was the big speculation, Um, but what's probably the more likely reason for Charlotte's Immaculate Conception is something, it's basically a process by which an organism essentially impregnates itself. It's more common in plants and things like that, but it does happen occasionally, and she's due to have her pups any day now. In fact, I was just about to check, because I think there's a Facebook page. Of course there is. Yes. Of course there is. It's like when the elephant, or the giraffe, the baby giraffe is about to be born cameras there everybody's watching it there's a big countdown on and there's more fans than nickelback right it's one of those kind of things i kind of like your idea of the shark ray like i need anything to be more afraid of in the ocean right right it's already a spot where 
why do we do it? Why do we go there? It's fun and inviting, and then you get bit by a jellyfish. Have you ever gone swimming with the sharks? Uh, dolphins, yes. Sharks, no. When we were for our honeymoon, we went to the Maldives, and they do have sharks that they tell you are, well, they have real sharks, of course, but they also have other sharks that are supposed to be safe to swim with. But that just makes me nervous. And we were snorkeling, and way down, I saw something real dark and big go by, and I thought, oh my gosh, don't look back, don't look back. I was going to get more nervous. Um, but that's a thing that some people do, swim with the sharks. I'm good with dolphins. Hey, what's the worst that's going to happen, right? If you don't have a story from Florida in your Stories of the Strange, you may not be doing it right. <laughs> I did see many. From it's always the, the Florida man. What, what did the Florida man do this time? Well, you've heard of the Cinnamon Challenge, the Chubby Bunny Challenge. Remember the Ice Bucket Challenge way back in the yes, day? Yes, I did that. Well, also did the Chubby Bunny. That was a long time ago. A Florida man named John has embarked on a mission to eat raw chicken every single day. Gross. Until he gets a tummy ache. Gross. And he is approaching day thirty. You're kidding. And, he's and he doing doesn't it. have like salmonella poisoning. Raw chicken breasts. He's cutting up raw chicken, putting it in a tortilla, and adding a little bit of hot sauce. Oh. And he's going to keep going this, and he's documenting it, of course, via Instagram, where he's got like four hundred thousand people following him. So John claims this: whether a slab of raw chicken is fit for consumption depends on the treatment of the animal at the factory farm where it was raised. In other words. You can eat raw chicken. The problem is, if you eat raw chicken, that's been inside one of the factory farms where the end product comes out. Gross. He explained that in Japan, they have raw chicken on menus. It's not the raw chicken that's going to kill you. It's more what they're doing to the animals at the factory farms. Do you believe this or do you not? No, you know, of all the things, I'm pretty adventurous with my food, too. And I will happily eat raw meat, but not chicken. That just seems like the last, the last thing you would ever want to do. And you were telling me about what he was eating for dinner. The rest of it sounds good if you cook the chicken. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. sure, I'll, I'll, I'll have a chicken taco or a chicken enchilada. According to its estimates, every year about one million people get sick from eating contaminated poultry in the United See, States. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I think day 35, that guy gets salmonella. <laughs> I would have said day two, but okay. <laughs> well, yes, I would have said that if he wasn't already on day 30. 1252 on WTMJ. Christian Bry, Spanning the State, is coming up next. A reminder, we are streaming the program. Check out our YouTube channel. Sign up. Subscribe to the podcast here at Wisconsin's Midday News on WTMJ.